Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm solid, Welcome to Sportfire, the sports comedy podcast that knows exactly how to contain Giannis, but isn't telling. Hint, it's sweets. I'm your host, Adam Weiner, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, skipping the All-Star Game to run a self-defense workshop with the rest of the Houston Astros, Stephen A. Smith's Face of Baseball Match Game app, and Pokemon Giannis Antetokounmpo Go. Big, big show today. I sat down with Brian Tucker, SNL senior writer and Emmy nominee once again to talk shop and Carolina basketball. But first, I pledge to you a quick, quick trip through the headlines. All four Houston Astros players selected to the MLB All-Star Game in Colorado decided not to go, presumably because the mountain air is an unfair advantage that both sides can enjoy. But seriously, it's time to stop making fun of current Astros like Michael Brantley and Ryan Presley, selected to the All-Star team this year, but not a part of the 2017 cheating World Series champions. They simply saw the cheating from afar and decided, this is the organization I would like to sign with, then took their dirty money. The Milwaukee Bucks punched back and took Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Unfortunately, at the exact same time, the Suns in 4 guy finished laying down the first track on his novelty rap album, The Fingers Don't Lie, featuring Akon. Sorry, Suns in 4 guy. Your 15 minutes of fame were more like the last minute 30 of an NBA game featuring fouls of fame. Giannis Antetokounmpo became the first player since LeBron James to drop 40 points in back-to-back finals games, helpfully meeting the NBA's LeBron discourse quota for the week. Team USA basketball lost to both Australia and Nigeria in preparation for the Olympics this week, which is exactly what Donald Trump both warned us about and caused. This would have never happened with Jeb Bush at Power Forward. Stephen A. Smith said Angel star Shohei Otani can't be the face of baseball because he uses an interpreter, which I don't understand unless Stephen A. thought they said voice of baseball, as in the voice of a talking baseball in a movie where Babe Ruth teaches kids math. In that case, I agree. Bad career move for Otani. But I will take a meeting if he's interested in reading the script. Pete Alonso of the New York Mets won his second consecutive home run derby by ingesting 36 baseballs and belching them over the left field wall. Otani, unfortunately, didn't advance past the first round, but said it was alright because it would give him extra time to work on his splitter, glove work at shortstop, wheel routes, triple sow cows, and 360 dunks while on fire. Every player wore number 44 jerseys for All-Star Workout Day, paying tribute to the number of baseball games Rob Manfred has watched. 
Commissioner Manfred said on Tuesday that seven inning doubleheaders and the extra innings rule might be eliminated before next year. Diehard baseball fans breathed a sigh of relief before Manfred continued, and they'll be replaced with three free runners in extra innings and four innings single headers. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won the 2021 All-Star Game MVP, then accepted the award with a chilling speech where he stared at the camera and said, Vladimir Guerrero III will be powerful enough to bend chromium. And the Arizona Diamondbacks drafted Jacob Steinmetz in the third round, the first practicing Orthodox Jewish player in professional baseball history. Steinmetz said he does pitch on the Sabbath, but his stuff is less electric. This episode of Sportfire is brought to you by Manscaped. Men, what is there to say about Manscaped that hasn't already been said? Nothing. They just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. That's a 4.0 up 1.0 from the 3.0, which was the previous product. We're one up on that. The Performance Package 4.0 comes with that Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer as well, Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant, yes, four balls, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all the goodies. Now, the trimmer is insane, and I've been told it's the goat of ball trimmers, and not only have I been told that, but I've used it and I know it's true. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade which reduces grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It's also got a 7,000 RPM motor, which is like 6,000 more RPMs than any other motor I've put in that general area before. It's also got a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and you've got the ability to turn on a 4,000K LED spotlight in case you are trying to do this in a dark cavern or an airplane bathroom. If this intrigues you and you'd like to get your hands on some Manscaped products, get ready for Hot Guy Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That is 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. Coming up next, Brian Tucker on our beloved North Carolina Tar Heels and some sports sketches that hit the cutting room floor over the years that you're going to want back. I am here with Saturday Night Live senior writer and University of North Carolina Tar Heel, Brian Tucker. Brian, it's a great time to be a Carolina fan. Coach Hubert Davis pulled off a recruiting coup this week, so I will give you a little bit of time up top to gloat about that if you would like. Sure. Um, I saw that he uh, brought in this five-star recruit. Um, you know, I, I think actually the team's going to be pretty good this coming year. Um, I've, uh, you know, I'm a huge UNC basketball fan, so I keep up with it on social media. Um, and uh, I'm also, uh, Hubert Davis is uh, one year ahead of me at Carolina, so he was playing when I was at school there. Uh, I have friends that are friends with him, so I uh, have... Um, you know, I, I have a real uh, soft spot for him. Um, and so I think he's he's going to be great. He seems to be really uh, taking the Coach Lasso approach, you know, <laughs> kind of leading with uh, empathy and heart and positivity, you know, um, which, you know, I love Roy Williams, but uh, that maybe wasn't exactly what he was about. Um, and so, uh, you know, he uh, Carolina this year got a couple of great transfers um, and, you uh, I think it went from where I was super worried about the team in uh, this past spring uh, where a lot of people were transferring out to now my main worry is how are they going to get all these great people starting minutes? So, um, uh, 
you know, I, I mean, I'm excited about it. Yeah. A lot of guys who seem to fit the ethos very well. Uh, you mentioned that you were on campus with Hubert at a certain time. Um, you were a student and I, that must've been, you know, a student at an incredibly exciting era of Carolina basketball. I know it's probably very difficult to choose, but do you have a most memorable on campus Carolina basketball moment? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, so you know, I was, I grew up in suburban Virginia, you know, I was always an ACC basketball fan then, um, uh, and, and watched Carolina, even in the Michael Jordan days, you know, when I was a little kid, um, uh, but wasn't really a big fan until I got to Carolina and then wasn't a huge fan until I won this contest my senior year called Mr. UNC, where one of the prizes was two tickets behind the bench for the whole season. Um, and that for home games. Um, and that uh, um, turned out to be the season that UNC won the championship in 1993 over, um, you know, the Fab Five in Michigan, the Chris Webber timeout game. Um, and so I went to just about every game that season, home game, and uh, was right there, you know. And so that cemented my Tar Heel fandom. But the probably the greatest moment that I remember was um, uh, we had maybe – 20 to 25 people over at my uh we we uh, we had four guys in like a condo uh, so we had a pretty big place that they could host people to watch the national championship game you know weber called the timeout we knew it was over we watched uh i guess it was maybe pat sullivan make the free throws or Derek phelps anyway um and you know you could hear all of chapel hill burst with joy uh, like you could, uh, you know, listen out the window and just there would be like a <sighs> even two and a half miles from campus from where I was. Well, about about two miles. Um, and so me in a in a rush of joy and uh, um, and craziness, uh, uh, me and several of my friends picked up our couch, uh, held it over our heads and marched it up to the main part of town called Franklin Street, where there were thousands of people. Um, and we took the couch and threw it in the bonfire. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I still get people, um, you know, uh, I talked with someone maybe about six months ago who turned out he was at, you know, that national championship celebration and unprompted, he said to me, did you know that some people came in and threw a couch into the fire? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I knew who that was. Yeah. You have to, sometimes you have to sacrifice a couch for a moment like that. You just have to say, you know, it's a title. I'm a senior. The couch is gone. That's right. Yeah. And also when you're in college, you, uh, you own some pretty shitty furniture. So, uh, <laughs> we probably, um, we probably lost about uh, $60 in that exchange. So yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't making the trip to your future home. So no, probably not. It was probably full of, uh, bed bugs anyway. So, yeah. Um, so you started at Saturday Night Live in 2005, which means that there have been two Carolina titles in marches where you were working on the show. Were you able to watch those national championships? And what is the experience like of balancing that fandom with the sort of insane schedule of the show? Yes. Um, well, luckily, um, the national championship games have taken place on Monday. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so Monday, besides Sunday, we're off at SNL, but Monday is our easiest day. Uh, we're usually done by um, as early as 7 p.m. And, and even then, 
you know, it's, it's only a couple hours. So Monday is a great day for me to have the national championship game. Um, the hard part has been these final fours on Saturday afternoon and Saturday night, um, where, uh, I definitely have missed a few of those games or like run into check, you know, in between, um, you know, writing on sketches or sitting in Lauren Michael's office where he has the TV on mute on this other side and, uh, and not really listening to him while he's talking about the night show. Um, um, so, uh, but the Monday games, if uh, I've been able to like go and watch with friends, I will say after you heard uh, that Chapel Hill story in 93, like the 2000, uh, five and 2008 and especially the 2017 championships were very different experiences for me like 2017 I watched with three of my friends on the Lower East Side in New York City and of course we went crazy and ran outside and it was maybe 12 30 at night on Monday and a kind of a gloomy rainy night in New York and nobody was out and we were like, we're going to go to a bar. And the first bar we went to was closed. And the second bar we went to allowed us to come in and have one drink before they closed. And so uh, slowly our enthusiasm waned. Uh, it wasn't quite uh, thousands of people and, and throwing a couch in a bonfire. Yeah. But you know, the victory counts just the same. So technically, yeah, could, could be worse for sure. Um, cycling back through, um, your history at SNL and the athletes who you have lined up with Peyton Manning hosted very memorably in 2007. Yeah. I'm wondering what was your role that week? Did you get to work in tandem with Peyton on anything that you, that you remember? And I guess what I'm really asking here is how did the United way get birthed? Uh -huh. So um, yes, I was there. Um, I did not, I remember I had one thing that I co-wrote on that show, but it wasn't a very memorable, I really need to actually look back and, and see uh, what, but United Way was um, the Lonely Island guys, uh, Andy Samberg, um, Akiva Schaffer and Yorma Taconi. Um, uh, they, uh, they had that idea. Um, uh, they were doing, by that time, I think they were doing regular Lonely Island shorts. Um, and so, uh, they, um, you know, asked him if he wanted to do that and he was super into it. Um, and he's, you know, I think he's pretty naturally funny. Um, and so, uh, um, I was at that shoot actually, um, but I, I did not write it. Um, but it, I also helped, uh, on the SNL 40th anniversary where they knew I was a sports fan. Mm -hmm. So I got to write stuff for Peyton Manning and Derek Jeter, um, in that, uh, group and so I got to work with him then and he hosted the ESPYs uh, where I got to work with him a little bit there too oh great um I I just have such an affinity for athlete hosts they I mean I, I don't I don't know if everyone feels the same way but I feel like most of them give maximum effort and many of them sort of are willing to go to a place that you maybe didn't anticipate out of all the athletes who you have collaborated with and I guess this also includes people who've dropped by to do update, which is also a thing that I really, you know, identify with and enjoy. Um, yeah. who, who sort of stands out as like the easiest and most fungible to work with? Um, wow. Um, m most athletes, you're right. Most athletes are, uh, you know, they might not necessarily be the most naturally funny or especially the best actors, but they are fun to have because they treat it in the same way they might like treat a game, you know, uh, a coach in this way, and in, in this metaphor, it's like 
you know, us or Lauren Michaels kind of tells them, this is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do to succeed. And they say, okay. Uh, and they, you know, they kind of say, where, where's my mark? What do I need to do? They're very coachable basically. Um, and so they're usually, they're pretty open to stuff. Um, uh, and then, you know, one of my favorites is Charles Barkley, just because mm -hmm. he's naturally funny. He, I think he's hosted at least three and maybe four times now. Um, and also he's just fun to hang out with. And he just understands that, um, you know, he doesn't put any pressure of the show on his shoulders. This is just a fun week for him. You know, he'll spend the first couple of days when he doesn't have to be in the studio, like going to like uh, Atlantic City or something, um, you know, uh, he, he's just enjoyable to be around. So that's, that's a person I just really like. Um, probably I would say my favorite in terms of, you know, if he's booked, I'm really glad. Uh, and then I would also say a, a group that has, um, that's in common with, uh, maybe professional athletes. And these are our wrestlers who I guess you could say are professional athletes <laughs> as well. Um, but, uh, you know, people like John Cena or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, again, they come from that same ethos, you know, uh, stand on your mark. This is what you're going to say, you know, do it your very best. And then we're moving on and you could do another, you know, they, they treat it uh, very, like I said, like, a, like, like they're training for something like an athletic competition. Um, and so both those guys, you know, of course, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is incredible, you know, in that he is a really good actor and he is, you know, funny and he knows exactly what makes him good, you know, and John Cena is close to that. Um, so, uh, um, you know, those, those guys also, I'm always really happy to see them. Yeah. I remember Cena specifically as someone who, when he came on stage, there was sort of an immediate pop of him being totally fit for this and yeah. me sort of understanding like, of course, like, yeah, idiot. Of course he's great. Um, yeah, the, 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 the skill set you have to be to be a professional wrestler and then also to like be an actor and especially on SNL, it's, it's playing in front of a crowd. It's feeling the energy, you know, it's being willing to like, just put yourself out there and do whatever you need. You know, there's a lot of similar um, skill skills. Yeah. I, I know I have my list. I don't know if you do too of athletes who haven't hosted yet, who you'd love to have. Do, mm. do you have anybody on that list? Rashid Wallace, maybe. I mean, I would love Rashid Wallace. I wish he was, you know, famous enough now, but he would be great. <laughs> I mean, I would love just to meet Rashid Wallace. Um, I mean, there, Serena Williams is almost always, you know, I, on we have a in Lorne Michaels' office. There's a board, and there's a bunch of like uh, um, on the right side of the board are a bunch of cards of people who might host who we are reaching out to host who we were talking about hosting. And every year for the last three years, Serena Williams is on there. Um, so I could see her possibly hosting at some point. Um, a, a lot of the tough part with athletes is their schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, they're just constantly, especially tennis players. There's no real off season for them. Um, uh, maybe the winter a little bit, but, um, uh, so yeah. Um, Steph Curry, um, you know, I mean, as a, as a Tar Heel, I would love to see, um, you know, Vince Carter come, um, like you said, Rashid Wallace, um, yeah, you know, I'm huge into basketball. So, you know, um, I guess those, I guess those are, uh, yeah, my main ones. Awesome. Um, I, I always associate you, I think, 
uh, you know, for good reason, because you're a, an encyclopedic, uh, you know, UNC fan, but I associate you with the sports presence at, at Saturday Night Live. I spoke with Heidi Gardner last week because I know she's a huge basketball fan and we had a great, you know, chat too. Who are sort of the, like, who are the other pillars of sports fandom who you've worked with at SNL over the years that maybe we don't know uh, are diehards? Well, um, in general, SNL is a theater kid environment. You know, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's people who grew up, you know, being, like I said, it's theater kids and most of them are not all that into sports, but Heidi is super into sports. You know, she loves LeBron James. You know, she loved Michael Jordan in Chicago. That sketch she did, uh, um, in the, um, uh, where she was the, the, um, the, the Michael Jordan parody, um, yeah. the last dance parody, I thought was one of the best things she's ever done on SNL. Um, so she's huge into that. Um, I think a lot of people are football fans, um, at least mildly, you know, um, depending on where they're from, you know, Cecily Strong is like a Chicago fan. Um, uh, Alex Moffat is a Chicago fan. Oh, here's something that's kind of fun. Um, Alex Moffat used to be on the, um, uh, the dunks and tricks team that would play at halftime in Chicago Bulls for the Chicago Bulls. Really? I don't think, I'm pretty sure he was not doing dunks and tricks. I think he was the MC and the guy who would set things up for everybody, but yeah. So he was like halftime entertainment. Well, you know, for, for that, for like Benny the bull and then other like, uh, acrobats and athletes who like did those like flip dunks and trampoline dunks and stuff. Um, and uh, it, there's a writer named Streeter Seidel um, who likes sports, who wrote the uh, last dance thing with Heidi Gardner. Uh, he played football in high school and he's a big, you know, sports fan. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think who else, like, uh, um, you know, Michael Che loves the Knicks. Mm -hmm. uh, Pete Davidson likes the Knicks. <laughs> um, like, uh, uh yeah, Michael Che, I would say, is a diehard, you know, New York sports fan. Um, Colin Jost likes sports. Uh, so, yeah. Awesome. I'm going to have to reach out to Alex. Hopefully, I, I don't I don't know that story. and I've got to get it from the source. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to. I could put you in touch. Uh, he, he might be glad to talk about that. Amazing. I, yeah, I will do a full interview with him and only discuss being the MC of, of the Benny the Bull Dunk Show. Um, <laughs> yeah. It can be difficult, though, and, you know, I have not been in that writer's room, of course, but I've had trouble sometimes pitching sports concepts to non-sports fans because you do have to get very mainstream. Have you ever had an idea sort of that you loved for a sports-related sketch before you sort of got in the pitch room and were, you know, had to readjust your expectations and be like, this might not be for the show? Yeah, I mean, usually they're... Um... You know, I've been there. This will be my 16th year at SNL, so I, I'm I've learned, you know, what kind of the parameters are, um, which, like you said, you know, d do something about sports culture, not necessarily about you know one athlete or an event, unless that athlete or event has become you know massive. Um, uh, you know, um, so I I did have um, I'll tell you two ideas. Um, I had an idea, uh, you know, we have these fantasy, these fantasy camps where you can pay a lot of money to play with the pros. I had this uh, idea called uh, the get dunked on fantasy camp where we, <laughs> you would, uh, 
you could pay a lot of money to have someone just dunk the shit on out of you on you uh and uh and and knock you down and uh and gloat against you you know it was it was for people who were just thought that would be um fun and i pitched it with drake hosted once and i pitched it to him and he loved it you know he's a big basketball fan and he was so excited about it and we read it out loud uh on our what we call our wednesday read through um and other people didn't really laugh or enjoy it very much. So I was disappointed in that because I know that would have been fun. And I know probably Drake could have recruited some like maybe real NBA players to do some of that. Um, another thing uh, I did with um, when Eli Manning hosted was um, uh, this. Anyway, uh, it was it was called um, the Peyton Manning story written and directed by Eli Manning. <laughs> uh, and it was Eli playing Peyton. And, um, and uh, you know, of course, um, Peyton was played as, you know, someone who was kind of a whiner, not very good, always envious of his little brother, Eli, you know, <laughs> really wanted to be like him. Um, so, uh, I, um, we actually, that actually got picked, but then, um, Peyton was hurt. That was the season that he was hurt. And it just got to the point where I, I guess people thought that it might come off as mean, especially to Peyton. Um, and then, you know, Eli loved it at first, but then once like we started going down the road on it, it, uh, it started to feel a little uncomfortable, at least, um, you know, they didn't even know if Peyton Manning would even come back to play football. This was before yeah. he played for Denver. Um, and so uh, that got scrapped. But I wish, you know, if Peyton was at his prime and we had done it, it would have been great. Yeah, so. I almost. Yeah, I almost wish I didn't even ask that question, because now I'm just wistful for sketches that I, I will <laughs> not have seen. That's a bummer. Maybe one day, you know, sometimes I'll have a sketch in my pocket for five to ten years and finally it'll be the day, you know. Yeah, those are those are fantastic. I, I will I will close by asking about something that I wonder. I don't know how many times people have asked you about this. I assume very little because it is not exactly the most popular sketch of all time. But I would love to know about your role and how you ended up in the Lonely Highland digital short Roy Rules. Oh, how yeah. Did you, how did you get selected for that? What is it like <laughs> being a star of a digital short? Wow. Um you are you're pulling it way out the box yeah that, uh, I, I am a, I am a fan I, I go deep all right <laughs> um uh, I, the best answer I can give you of how I ended up in that is I'm friends with those guys uh mm -hmm. we we started out together in 2005 um uh I used to um you know we were very social together in those years and I would come and hang out in their offices all the time um even in those early years, me and Colin Jost used to write with them a little bit. You know, it was mostly their ideas and stuff, but we would help out. Uh, it got so that um, basically they were just a three-man shop after a while um, and weren't really collaborating as much. Um, but we even did, uh, we would do like little funny films around the office, um, you know, together sometimes that I would be in. And it was just like goofing around and they knew, uh, you know, they enjoyed working with me. It was, and that was one of the, um, maybe the first five digital shorts they ever did. First five to seven that they ever did. And that was before um, uh, 
the S they, by the time they finished, uh, they had a crew of like 25, you know, all union people, you know, SNL, NBC approved crew that was just for them. Um, but in that it was the three of them and a camera. Uh, and then they would go into their office and edit it on the Mac. And then they would, uh, you know, try to put it on the show on dress rehearsal. And, um, you know, Lauren sometimes didn't even know what it would be. It would just be like, we'll try to put together something and we'll, you know, we'll have it for you. Um, and so they, the three of them came to my apartment with, uh, um, uh, with a camera and my wife was there, she's in it. My two kids are in that uh, as well. Um, and I think also uh, I was one of the few peers that they had that, um, that was like Roy and that he was married and he had kids and he kind of had more of a stable family life. Those guys were in there mid twenties when they got hired there and weren't, you know, I, I was a little bit of a, um, like a, I, I was at a later stage in my life. And they, so they were like, Oh, you could be Roy. You know? So I can't, yeah, I, I don't know how often you get asked that question, but I am very glad to have the answer because it, it has been a, a personal, a quest of mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roy rules is definitely, you know, not, I wouldn't even put it in the top 25 of lonely Island shorts, but it's nice that you remember <laughs> It's been in my head for, for 15 years. Um, Brian, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me. And I think I, I join you in saying here's hoping for another Final Four run in Hubert Davis's first year, but maybe on an off week. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Brian Tucker, everybody. We got to get Eli Manning back on the show. <laughs> we just We have to do it. Maybe the same week as Serena Williams, just for fun. Add Rashid Wallace, the trio, three hosts meeting for the first time. And now, my final flame. Is it quote-unquote good for baseball that Shohei Otani is the face of the game but speaks through an interpreter? Yes. All right, that's settled. But is it quote-unquote good for baseball that Shohei Otani is more handsome than me? Frankly, I have my doubts. I was having enough trouble slipping my number to parking attendants and burger salesmen before Otani came along. Now that they've seen a photograph of him, which I keep foolishly showing to them as an alternative to me, I'm extremely worried about the future of the game. My game. Here's a scenario that's happened to me countless times. I approach a dame outside the five and dime, or the six and dime, and I ask if they'd like to accompany me inside for some shaken milk. Not a milkshake. They say they're somewhat interested, but they have their qualms. Then, suddenly, my interpreter shows up with an Otani photograph. My interpreter is also so handsome. We both speak English, but as I repeat myself, he tries to translate what I'm saying into something more charming. You both speak the same language. Why do you have an interpreter, says the dame. But before I can answer, she's on a plane to Anaheim to go meet the face of baseball, and I'm left shaking milk with a 42-year-old English-to-English interpreter who's cooler than me. So how does baseball fix this? One, make me hotter. Two, I'm not asking Commissioner Rob Manfred to mandate that one out of every three women I quake my voice to accept my invitation to a milk and soup date at the Cineplex, but I am suggesting it. Three, give everyone on earth an interpreter, but make them more imperfect mates. Give them club feed or make them close their eyes when they talk. We need to downgrade America's interpreters post-haste. Shohei Otani is everything that's right with modern baseball. 
Unfortunately, he's everything I'm not. Let's fix me. Teeth first. My thanks to Brian Tucker. See you next Thursday. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.